0: We engage God in worship. We engage God in worship when we're here. We don't come to get our donuts, our coffee, sing songs we like, listen to a good message, talk to some friends and go home. We come to engage God in worship. Now if we have to, we can do without coffee and donuts. We can make do singing songs we don't know that well. We can handle it if the message doesn't seem quite on target. We can deal with it if our friends aren't here this Sunday. But if we don't engage God while we're here, That's the one thing that matters. So we're concluding the series today. We've talked about a lot of things. Worship isn't about us, it's about God. When we gather to worship, like now, we are in the presence of God. Now, when we worship, we put ourselves in our place because we put God in his rightful place, and it puts everything in perspective. When we sing, we sing to God as prayer, as thanksgiving, as praise. And when we worship, we actually use our physical bodies. We stand, we sit, we can raise our hands, we raise our voices in song. We use our bodies to worship God. And I say what uh, may be the most misunderstood uh, topic for the end, which is in worship, what do we give and why do we give? So, first things first. I'm not talking about giving today because Sunday morning offerings are down, cash flow is tight, and we're in financial trouble. This is not the case. So just relax. This is not a fundraising appeal. This is how giving is an act of worshiping God. Now, unfortunately, there are many stories people have with churches that giving is not worship, it's fundraising. Uh, For instance, my grandparents on my dad's side uh, went to a small church in uh, Mead, Nebraska, all their lives. At the end of the year, they published their paper annual report And toward the end of that annual report was a page that listed the name of every person in church and how much they gave that year. Everybody got a copy. I don't think that's worship. That's probably a little more like manipulation. Also got a story from one woman growing up as a kid. She she figured out that at the beginning of the new year, a couple leaders would come visit her parents from the church. And it wouldn't be a long conversation, but they would tell her parents how much they would give this coming year. And that's not worship. That's a lot of pressure. Now you may have, may have had your own experience with the church where you felt giving was a manipulation or pressure and it, it just didn't feel like worship. It's just like a fundraising plea. So what I want to do today is just push the reset button and hopefully delete all those other stories out of your mind uh, because in the Bible, worship is about giving. It's a great thing. 2 Samuel chapter 24 ends with the story about King David. Uh, he sinned against God. And there's discipline, there's punishment. And unfortunately for David and his kingdom, uh, the people are suffering for his sin. They're losing their lives. And David's beside himself. This is horrible. They shouldn't be punished. I should be punished. And he's trying to figure out what to do. And so Gad, his spiritual director or prophet, says, David, this is what you need to do you need uh, to buy the threshing floor of Arana Arana, and build an altar and offer sacrifices to the Lord at this specific spot. So David goes to the guy who owns the threshing floor, says, I want to buy it, this is why. And Arana responds, oh, I'll just give it to you. You're the king. I'll give you the, the threshing floor. I'll give you my ox for the sacrifice. I'll give you firewood to make the sacrifice. And David said, oh, that's great. That's what I like when I'm king. I like free stuff. I like free land, free oxen, free firewood. I like giving something to God that costs me nothing. No, that's not what David said. David said, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. And then David paid the guy 50 pieces of silver. Worship is giving, it costs. Now, we live in a consumer culture, so it's pretty easy for us to get this turned upside down and think the main purpose of worship is to receive. We go to church because of what we can get, like going to the store. We go to be with friends. We go to sing songs we like. We go to hear a message that will help us. We go to worship to receive, receive, to get. Well, King David, chosen by God to lead his people, King David, who wrote many of the Psalms in the Old Testament in the Bible. King David, who it was said was a man after God's own heart, David would say, don't you know worship is about giving? Worship is giving God thanks and praise because he created you. Worship is giving God thanks and praise because he forgives our sins. Worship is giving God thanks and praise because he guides us and sustains us every day. The only reason we receive anything in worship is because we're in the process of giving thanks and praise to God. Giving is fundraising. It's like we've got to get a project done. You know, We give the money and then that's over with. That's not... Worship is giving praise and honor and thanks to God for who he is and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. I was thinking back about our 2022 Christmas Eve offering and realizing that was worship is giving. We didn't set a goal. So it wasn't fundraising. We presented two ministry opportunities. There's a newly forming crisis pregnancy center in Watertown. They could use some money to start up. And people in Ukraine, horrible situation, uh, refugees in their own country, and we found a way to get them humanitarian aid through local pastors and churches in their own communities. And then I asked you to pray about what the Lord wanted you to give. And then as a church, we gave as an act of worship. Thankful for all God's done for us, and thankful that we could be a part of what God's doing in the world. And because... Our Christmas Eve offering was an act of worship. It was big. We gave over $150,000. It was worship is giving. We did not give to the Lord something that cost us nothing, no. All that God's given to us, we're thankful. We want to be involved in his work in the world, so we give. I don't know about you, but whenever uh, I'm confronted with a fundraising letter or phone call or email or whatever, my hands go like this. (whistles) Tight-fisted stinsiness, That's Steve at his natural best right there. Forget it. And I've had to learn, no, I want to give as an act of worship, worship to God, and I want to have open hands that are generous. That's what I want, and I hope that for you. Now, Jesus has an interesting way of figuring out what matters most to us. He said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Makes sense. Where our treasure is, our heart is. And the word that Jesus used for treasure refers to money and valuables. I'm going to take a little liberty and widen it out a bit and include time in the treasure that we manage in this life. Whatever we spend our time and money on, that's where our heart is at. And that makes sense. We don't spend our time and money on things that don't matter. We spend our time and money on things that matter to us. Our heart follows it. Time. You have chosen this morning to take the time to be in a Sunday worship service here at Cornerstone. Whether you actually did the mental calculus or not, you counted the cost and said, it's worth it. I want to worship God. I want to praise and thank God for who he is and all he's done for me through Jesus. I'm going to take time to be a part of a worship service. So the fact that you're here is proof of where your heart is at. You want to give God your full attention. That's what worship is all about. Then, of course, there's money. Different, but not so much. When our daughter Sarah was in middle school, she asked me one day, Dad, why don't we have a new car like my friends do? And I said, well, Sarah, we could buy a new car every four to five years, but we tithe, which means out of the money that our family earns, which God's enabled us to do, we give 10% of it back to what God's doing in the world through the church. It's part of worship. And I was expecting some resistance from Sarah because she liked new cars. She just said, oh, okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy motor vehicles, cars, SUVs, trucks. I like seeing what the new models are like, what they're doing with the engines, the powertrains, all that kind of stuff. I like driving home from Sioux Falls at night on I-29 and and figuring out, trying to figure out from cars, headlights or taillights, what make, model, and year they are. So I like cars. But my heart is seeing God's work done in the world. So my treasure follows my heart. Now, one of the values we have as a church, it's just kind of been a part of who we are, is radical generosity, which means we're not afraid to give to get God's work done in our community in the world. We're not even afraid to go above and beyond. And this past year it happened in two different specific ways. First of all, it was our playground. God loves kids. We love kids. Uh, We had a chance to put in a playground. We had 40% of it down from a a Taylor Fox estate. And we thought we could give a gift to all the kids in Watertown. It's a huge playground. It's way bigger than our kids need. It's for the community. So we talked about it. I talked about it for four Sundays, and I stopped talking about it. And by the time fall rolled around, the $90,000 needed to fully fund the project had been given. Just given. Just came in. Then the Castlewood storm happened. Hart heart went out to Castlewood. We sent some volunteers down there and funded the, the food that they would need to serve for all the volunteers that were down there uh, uh, trying to put things back together. We did that. A little bit later, we heard that some of the teachers in Castlewood, all the stuff they'd stored in their classrooms built up over the years so they could you know, have a great classroom, boom, gone with the storm. So we talked about it once, I think maybe two Sundays, thousands of dollars for those teachers to get a better start. So where our treasure is, there our heart goes, giving is worship. True worship does something really interesting. It removes our fear and selfishness and frees us to become generous. Because fear and selfishness cause us to go like this, tight-fisted and stingy. I personally think fear is the biggest obstacle to generous giving as an act of worship. Think about it this way. If I give, I won't have enough to buy the things that make me happy. If I give, I won't be able to buy the stuff that my neighbors and friends are buying. And if I give, maybe I won't even be able to provide for my own needs. So there's fear of not being able to buy happiness, which is the way we think about it, our culture does. There's fear of not being able to keep up with our friends, which actually is high pressure. And there's fear of not having enough. We have those fears, and then we come to worship. And we're reminded God is good. And we remember God has been faithful to us all of our life. And remind us that in Jesus Christ we're forgiven, we're welcomed into God's family, we're guided by God's spirit, we have a certain home in new heaven and new earth when Jesus returns at the end, at the end and worship, we, we remember all this truth and it begins to melt our fears and we're able to give as an act of worship to praise God. Worship helps us do that. Earn more, spend more, crave more. That's the culture we grew up in. Earn more money, And the more money you earn, spend it all. Spend it all to buy stuff, whatever it is, the car, the truck, the house, the better vacation. Just spend it more, spend it all, and then we crave even more. So it's an endless cycle. Earn more, spend more, crave more. Back to the beginning, repeat. It's not a good way to think about money. It just doesn't end. So we're part of the Christian church. Uh, It's called the Wesleyan Movement started by one of the key founders, John Wesley. And he, trying to figure out how to handle giving and money in a biblical approach. And he came up with a very different way of thinking about things. And he lived it. Earn more, save more, give more. Now the earn more is the same, but apart from that, everything is different. Earn more so you can save more. Don't spend more and crave more, but save more, and the saving more enables you to give more. And that's the rhythm of your life. And John Wesley actually lived this. This is fascinating. He figured out, I need this much money to meet my needs this year. This is how much I need. Food, clothes, lodging, housing, whatever. And then he said, that's all I need. He made a lot more. He actually made a lot of money selling his sermons. But his Thesis was, earn more, save more, give more. So he stayed below his income level in terms of what he spent. I only need this much. So he could save more, so he could give more. What a freeing approach. It was a worship approach. It's not a fundraising approach. It's a worship approach. I'm going to worship God this way. I'm going to earn more, I'm going to save more, so I can give more as a thank you offering. Now, a curious curious note about a challenge we face in the U.S. This is statistically true. In the US, the more we earn, the less we give. Not dollar amount, but percentage amount. So in the US, right now, a person who lives on $20,000 a year gives a greater percentage of their income to nonprofits and charity than a person who makes $100,000 a year. Because we're in the earn more, spend more, crave more cycle. It's too hard to give more. So, the good thing is, as we say, we're going to earn more so we can save more, so we can give more as an act of worship, we begin to break away from the crazy cycle of our culture and experience something called contentment. Paul talks about it this way, he said, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and when we can't take anything with us, when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be Content. And worship is giving. Helps us put everything in perspective. Get off the crazy cycle of money in our culture. Give us an act of worship. And we begin to experience contentment. We actually have enough. God is providing. It's a great realization. Now, we give from thankful hearts to invest in God's work in the world. I say that most Sundays. That's why we give. So I want to just tell you about seven amazing people I know. Uh, each of them have a very thankful heart for what God's done. And is that because of that thanksgiving, they have chosen to invest giving money in God's work in the world in very specific ways that where their heart's at. So for instance, first person has a huge heart for reaching and helping people in need in our own community right here in Watertown. So they got involved in helping Access Ministries remodel their kitchen so they can help with the feeding of people, which they do. They help stock our own cornerstone food pantry that gives food to over 50 family units every Monday morning. That's where their heart was and so they got involved. Second person, huge heart for helping people in addiction get free. So they hooked up with brothers and sisters behind bars, a Christian nonprofit right here in Watertown. They got to help out with sober free housing. Some of those kinds of things for people on their journey. They also hooked up with Teen Challenge in Brookings, a Christ-centered residential program because they, they had that burden for helping addicts get free. Third person has a huge heart for just reaching college students. It's a really important time in a person's life. Who are they going to be? What messages are they are hearing? What does it all mean? And so they connect with a number of college ministries in the upper Midwest that help college students know who Jesus is and follow Him because that's where their heart was really at. Fourth person has a huge heart for kids in need around the world. Because this is the way suffering works in our broken world. Kids suffer first, women suffer second, men suffer last. Kids suffer first. So they wanted to do something. Their heart went out. So they found a Christ-centered ministry in a slum of a major city in Brazil that helps hundreds of kids. So They got involved there. They also found a like uh, a Christ-centered mission for kids in school and orphanage and feeding program in Uganda and they hooked into that because that's where the heart was at. Fifth person, kind of real narrow focus, a huge heart for kids and youth just in Jamaica. So they got involved in orphanage in Jamaica, they want orphans cared for and they, they hooked up with a youth ministry down there because they want Jamaican youth to know Jesus and to grow up as Christian leaders because that country needs good leaders. That's where their heart was, so that's where their giving went. Sixth person had a heart just for getting the good news about Jesus out to people around the world. And so they made some interesting connections. They hooked up with a ministry in Pine Ridge Reservation. They hooked up with uh, a ministry in India, in Argentina, and in Cameroon, Africa. Because that's where the heart was at, getting the good news of Jesus, the gospel out. And the seventh person, very interesting, a huge heart for reaching Muslims with the good news of Jesus. This is a huge need in our world. And they found a couple of missionaries in certain places, in Africa and Spain, just working with Muslims, letting them know who Jesus is, sharing his love with them, and then hooked up with the radio ministry that reaches Muslims for Christ. And these seven people are you. That's what our giving as worship, as an act of worship, does through our missions budget all the time right now. We give from thankful hearts. We end up investing in God's mission in the world. It's not fundraising. It's an act of worship what God has done. And we're glad to be a part of what God is doing. Now, I wanted to help make sure we get this shift in our brain uh, so we get uh, out of this old way of thinking about giving money in church into worship as giving. So here's a prayer I wrote. It's helpful for me. Hopefully it'll be helpful for you. One true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I renounce the old way of feeling pressured or manipulated into giving to you. From now on, I affirm that I give as an act of worship, thankful for all you've done for me, and glad to be a part of your work in this world. And that's on the, the bulletin, so if you didn't pick one up on the way in on the offering boxes, you can pick one up on the way out. So we're going to use our bodies in worship. So let's stand up, let the Lord know we're serious about this prayer in his presence, and ask you to join me in prayer. Move out the worship team to come on up as we pray. One true God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I renounce the old way of feeling pressured or manipulated into giving to you. From now on, I affirm that I give as an act of worship, thankful for all you've done for me, and glad to be part of your work in this world. Amen. And I'll have you stay standing as uh, worshiping comes up. Just a little personal story about God's work in the world and worship is giving and the frailty of life. Uh, my daughter and her husband have been praying for some friends of theirs, good friends of theirs in Michigan, uh, to come to know Jesus for years, and that happened for the wife a few years back. Husband had a, had, had a chronic health situation that ended his life yesterday. And uh, about a week before that happened, uh, my son in law said, Well, because he knew all about who Jesus was. He says, well, do you want to accept Jesus? And he said, yes. So life is short. So accepting Jesus surrendered to him of ultimate importance, so we're ready for the next life to come.